The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here are your top five at five. Stocks under pressure to end the week after yet another hotter-than-expected inflation report royals investor sentiment. Fed hawks circling once again, floating the idea of yet another jumbo-sized rate hike in March. In China, the CEO of a prominent investment bank goes missing, and now its shares are sinking. We have those details straight ahead. Plus, a 24-hour strike in Germany has hundreds of thousands of would-be travelers stranded. Cancellations nearing the 80% mark this morning. And later, why Apple could be the latest to join the big tech layoffs wave. This is Friday, February 17th, 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Good morning, everybody. I'm Contessa Brewer in for Brian Sullivan on this Friday. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. And what we're seeing is they are under pressure after a sharply lower day for stocks yesterday that had the Dow suffer its worst one day loss in a month. Right now, you're seeing the S&P implied open down by 23 points. The Dow Jones Industrials looks like it's going to open down triple digits and the Nasdaq off by 100. This after January producer price index yesterday came in hotter than expected. It sort of mirrored what we saw with the CPI report on Tuesday. And let's take a look at how that's influencing the bond market and the 10-year note yield, which is trading now near its highest level since late December. And this morning, you're seeing the 10-year at 3.898%. In energy, we've seen oil extending this week's losses down again this morning. WTI is off by almost 2% this morning. Brent is off by the about 1.75%, and Nat Gas is off by one and a third. In crypto, pressure in that sector as well. Bitcoin right now is off by more than 3% as well as Ethereum off by one and a half percent. Let's get a check on the overnight action in Asia and the early trade in Europe. Jamana Basechi is standing by in London. Jamana. Morning, Contessa. Well, a risk-off tone here as well. All of the European indices are trading in the red. You can see the FTSE 100 coming off an all-time high, actually. So we're back below the 8,000 mark, down about a quarter of a percentage point, despite posting better-than-expected retail sales in the country. NatWest, one of the names they're watching, the bank is down about 8 percentage points today. Zetradax in Germany also down about 8 tenths of a percentage point. German PPI numbers coming in hotter than expectations. So again, more inflationary pressures beginning to emerge and, and to be quite persistent. Cacao down about seven-tenths of a percentage point. We're seeing industrials and tech lead the declines today. But I want to switch over to European airlines. Once we're watching very closely, almost 300,000 passengers are set to be affected by a 24-hour strike at seven German airports. More than 2,300 flights have been canceled at airports from Munich to Hamburg amid an ongoing dispute on pay. So we are seeing a positive reaction more generally because of the better results 
results out of Air France KLM today, up 7 percentage points, but the industrial action certainly on people's minds in Germany. And finally, one other stock that I want to point out in China is Tencent. And here you can see the German listing of Tencent down about 2.4 percentage points. This on news that the company is abandoning plans to make virtual reality hardware amid cost cuts at its metaverse unit. This is according to sources speaking with Reuters. The Chinese tech giant was building to build a ring-like handheld game controller, but shifted away from that strategy after failing to achieve quick profitability. So the reaction has been quite negative from the investment community who had been hoping that Tencent would continue with those plans, but uh, not going to be the case, Contessa. All right, Jumana, thank you for bringing us up to speed overseas. Let's get a check on some of the morning's top stories now. Christina Partsenevelis joins us with those. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Contessa. Well, shares of Chinese investment group Renaissance Holdings are sinking right now in Asia trade. This after the company told regulators chairman CEO Bao Fan has gone missing. Renaissance is a key player in Chinese equity markets and has played a huge role in that country's tech sector just over the past decade advising companies like Meituan and Didi over, the, over their IPOs. The SEC charging crypto developer Duquan and his company Terraform Labs with defrauding investors in what regulators are calling a multi-billion dollar scheme. Quan founded blockchain platform Terraform and was, the, and was the primary creator of two now defunct crypto coins that hammered the broader crypto market just last year. And TikTok is planning to open two more data centers in Europe in a move that could ease concerns over user data security and regulatory pressure on the company. The move comes as TikTok has been looking to assure Western governments that user data cannot be accessed or manipulated by the Chinese government. Let's see if they can convince them. Contessa? Christina, thank you for that. See you a bit. To the broader markets now, stocks have been on a run to start the year, but the bulls are taking some hits with some hotter-than-expected inflation numbers this week and some rather hawkish comments from two top Fed officials. The latest, Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester and St. Louis Fed President James Bullard said they would have backed raising rates by half a point at the Fed meeting two weeks ago, given the strength of the inflation and economic demand. Now, Mester and Bullard are not voting members this year, but no other Fed officials have publicly spoken in favor of larger rate hikes. In a note today, Goldman Sachs says it expects three more quarter point moves in March, May and June, with the Fed funds rate peaking at five and a quarter to five and a half percent. Let's talk more about this now with Gina Sanchez, CEO of Chantico Global and a CNBC contributor. Gina, it's good to see you this morning. When you hear uh, Loretta Mester and Bullard come out and say, yeah, maybe we should have gone even higher. Do you think that that's sort of a litmus test for how the market would react? Well, I think that, that there's, there are two narratives right now, and they're backing that first narrative, which is that inflation is sticky. And if inflation is sticky, then the Fed has to do more um, in order to battle inflation, which would bring on a harsher recession. Uh, the markets are warring with that and the soft landing scenario. And those are two very opposite camps. But honestly, I'm landing in the soft landing scenario, which is not, the, the, the <laughs> not always the prevailing um, view. But if you look at the data, it supports it. Why? What, are you, what data are you seeing that makes you think, hey, we, we might come out of this okay? Well, a few things. One, if you look under the hood of CPI, 
all of the raw goods type, like, you know, goods prices, those kinds of prices are all falling. The only price sector that's rising right now in CPI, the component is services. And services is driven by wages, not by oil. You see oil falling today, too. Um, the other thing I'm looking at is the, the difference between PPI and CPI. If PPI is the price of your inputs and CPI is what you can pass through to your customers, there's actually still a gap there, which is to suggest that companies are doing fine passing these prices through to consumers. And if that's the case, margins are still healthy, right? Wages, on the other hand, are the kind of inflation that causes greater demand. Um, in the end, there's a productive form of that, and a little bit of that is good. Too much of that is bad, and, and that, you know, I think we have done quite a bit with, with regard to Fed movement. Um, but it would suggest that all of this resetting of wages is, in fact, leaving the consumer in a healthier place. And there's one last piece, and that's that most of the workers who left in the 55-plus cohort of workers have gone. And in fact, there's a worker shortage right now, and you can see that in the number of weeks that it takes for full-time employee for, for full-time workers to, to find a new job. And that number is actually falling, which is to say that people are finding jobs faster and faster. And more workers is a solution that requires... Uh, you know, attention from Congress, attention from local and, and state leaders. It, and it's a long term challenge, not something that we can fix with one magic solution. That being said, all of this talk of the tight labor market and whether the rate hikes keep coming. We've already heard from Jerome Powell that it's going to be a bumpy road to reduce inflation. Are you expecting the same for the markets? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, that what you're seeing right now is you're seeing a crimp in wage. Well, you're seeing a crimp in margins because wages are going up and that does tend to be sticky. Um, however, I think that what we're doing is we're resetting as a market. We're basically saying maybe those high margins are not normal. Maybe um, the, the right number for margins is a bit lower. Um, having a healthier consumer is not a bad thing. Um, but the markets themselves are going to have to keep re-rating down that in combination with with the fact that nobody's expecting the Fed on the other side of this to do a, a big interest rate cutting cycle. And if that's the case, then a lot of the multiples that have gone away, they're gone. Gina Sanchez, it's great to talk to you this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. When we come back, tracking the retail investor sentiment shift, my next guest says the bulls may be celebrating a bit too soon. Plus reports that Apple could be the next shoe to drop in the big tech layoff wave. Why headcount? Maybe the last of Tim Cook's concerns. And later, investors betting big on the stock in the pre-market. This mystery chart revealed on Worldwide Exchange Returns. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back. A sentiment shift appears to be underway on Wall Street, but not on the institutional side. A new survey shows retail traders are back in full force. And this time, it's not just GameStop, Hertz, and AMC on the shopping list. Joining me now, Investopedia.com editor-in-chief, Caleb Silver. Caleb, good to talk to you. What shift are you seeing? Yeah, maybe the bulls are running out of the pen a little too early because when you look at the AAII sentiment survey, it's the most bullish that individual investors have been since November. When you look at our survey, Investopedia's reader survey, 41% say they're ready to buy the dip. Not fully ready to go all in, but ready to look for any opportunities. And then when you look at the B of A fund manager survey, institutions are not all the way back in, but cash levels are dropping. So you see a little bit more of people ready to jump back in. But then look at the options market contested, because that's where the activity's been. Last week, one of the biggest days ever for call options, individual investors Betting stocks are going to keep going higher in, in a short period of time. But then we saw those zero DTE options, those zero days to even options. Those are bets that a stock's going to rise over the course of a given day, one day. So a lot of people ready to go, but just as the market sort of turned again in the last week. Are there specific stocks that are top searches on Investopedia? Yeah, and they're usually the same ones, the biggest ones, Apple. Tesla always very popular, Amazon very popular as well. But you're also seeing a lot of investors piling into some stocks that did horribly last year, the heroes of 2021. When you look at uh, stocks like a Zillow, when you look at the AI stocks, when you look at Twilio, a lot of these stocks have been popping. They're at three-month highs uh, just in the past three months. But as investors have been jumping back in, a lot of options activity there and people looking for reasons to buy. They want to believe right now, but maybe the timing is just a little bit off because as we've seen just over the past few days, the market has turned again as we've had those inflation reports and that big labor market report uh, a couple weeks back. I'm looking at the top searches here on Investopedia, Naked Shorting, Golden Cross, How to Day Trade, Wash Sale Rule. Does any of this raise concerns for you that we're heading into a sort of exuberant, ebullient market where people are getting in over their heads? Yeah, I think people want a reason to believe, to quote Bruce Springsteen. People were looking for reasons to buy, so they're looking at these searches. These are the ones that have spiked the most. Our top searches are always our top searches, but these lately have been getting our attention. Naked shorting, obviously not legal in this country, also extremely dangerous. Uh, Golden Cross, hey, that's a bullish signal. That's a bullish technical analysis signal. People are looking for reasons to latch on and put money back to work. Again, the timing could be circumspect here. And then we look at Washale, people wanting to sell some of those losers, buy them back and get that tax write-off. That's not going to be allowed by the IRS. So you see a little friskiness and you got to question the timing, given the fact that we haven't had a full shakeout here. And even though we had a massive sell-off last year, it was kind of orderly. We never had that capitulation. So you can see individual investors getting hungry here, wanting a reason to jump back into the market and put some money to work. How are you uh, setting the scene in terms of your readers who are coming to you about where the market is going from here, Caleb? 
Yeah, we're trying to kind of hold them back a little bit and say, look at the signals here. Now, the past doesn't predict the future, but we're not quite done with this shakeout. So a lot of people coming to us asking that question, how do I put money to work right now? On the flip side of all those top searches, Contessa, we still see people looking for the best high-yield savings account, people still looking for the best-paying CD. So there's this kind of yin-yang going on of folks saying, I want to jump back in. I'm looking for the best opportunity to maximize. And then when you look at some of these AI stocks and some of the ETFs, there's a lot of leverage bets going on. With ETF. So we're trying to say, hey, hold back here. There's ways to make money without putting money directly back into the market or in some of the risky areas of the market. Just look at Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies. Our readers are very into those as well. Mm -hmm. We've got Bitcoin at a six-month high and a lot of the other cryptocurrencies up triple digits. So we're trying to say, hey, cool it a little bit here. There are other ways to sort of allocate and prepare yourself for when this market shakes out, if it does, or to get back in to build a strong foundation. Caleb Silver, great to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Still on deck, a dozen eggs for $2. A Kelsey brother makes his SNL debut and not loving the new Mickey D's AI. Your top trending stories on Worldwide Exchange returns. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Here we are Friday morning. Let's get to the big money movers today. And DoorDash shares rising after reporting stronger than expected earnings for the fourth quarter, showing signs of healthy post-lockdown growth for the food delivery business. DoorDash is the market-leading food delivery group in the United States ahead of Uber Eats, ending 2022 with a record 32 million monthly users and revenue up 40 percent. Shares in the uh, extended trading up 6 percent. Hey, shares of Moderna are taking a dive, though, after the company announced a study into a flu vaccine candidate failed to reach one of its goals. Moderna's president says they already have updated the vaccine to improve immune responses against the flu. And right now they're working quickly to test it in an upcoming clinical trial. Those shares are off by 6 percent. And Texas Roadhouse stock is dropping from a 52-week high down 6 and a third percent right now after fourth quarter earnings and revenue fell below expectations. The restaurant chain blames commodity inflation and higher wages for the shortfall, but says it sees growth in 2023 because the number of restaurant locations is rising. On the call, executives also noted that sales of top shelf liquor are falling off. People are choosing more budget minded brands. Let's get a check this morning on the other headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the latest. And boy, the fallout from this train derailment in Ohio, Philip, just keeps grabbing attention. Yeah, you got that right, Contessa. Good morning. EPA Administrator Michael Regan traveled to East Palestine, Ohio on Thursday, nearly two weeks after the train derailment and chemical spill that forced the evacuation of the town. Regan said that the federal government will get to the bottom of this incident. He also promised that the federal government would hold rail operator Norfolk Southern accountable for this disaster. Senator John Fetterman's office says that the Pennsylvania Democrat has checked himself into Walter Reed Medical Center for treatment of clinical depression. Fetterman is still recovering from a stroke and was hospitalized last week after feeling lightheaded. 
Tiger Woods pounced back onto the golf course for the first time in seven months. Woods made his first start since July's Open Championship, competing in the opening round of the Genesis Invitational in Los Angeles. He sank three straight birdies to end his day. He finished two under par and five strokes behind the leaders, Max Homa and Keith Mitchell. Woods will tee off for round two just before 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And finally, the pieces are falling into place for a Tetris movie. Soviet Union is about to implode. They're lying. Everybody's lying. The cavalry is coming. We don't have time. I have a plan. Oh, come on. You guys are the kings of cliffhangers. Have you? Taron Edgerton, Braves the Cold War, and KGB agents, all for the love of video games. The thriller tells the true story of one man's journey to the Soviet Union to bring the popular puzzle game Tetris to the United States. It drops on Apple TV Plus on March 31st. That's it from here, Contessa. Send it back to you. How many Gen Xers are going to rush out to that because it was our first video game ever back on, you know, Nintendo when we first got one for Christmas? Yeah, I don't know anybody who doesn't love the game Tetris. I'd love to hear the origin story and watch that. Philip, nice to see you. Thanks. You too. Straight ahead, a blockbuster quarter for DraftKings has that stock surging ahead of the open. Look at that, up 6%. What was likely a record-breaking year for Super Bowl sports betting? It doesn't even factor into this earnings report. We will be right back after this. Investors rattled by another hotter-than-expected inflation print. And fresh hawkish talk from Fed heads continues. Futures pointing to another day of losses. Apple apparently unable to avoid the wave of tech company layoffs, taking the axe to a specific group of workers. And rise of the machines, or more like a stumble. Microsoft defends some early hiccups in its integration of the chat GPT artificial intelligence. This is Friday, February 17th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Contessa Brewer in for Brian Sullivan. Let's do this thing one more day for the weekend. And how are markets shaping up on the back of Thursday's selling following that hotter than expected PPI report? Futures right now red. We're seeing the S&P 500 for an implied opening off by 28 points. The Dow Jones futures are off by triple digits now, 150 points. And you've got the Nasdaq down 113. We got some pretty hawkish comments from Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester and St. Louis Fed President James Bullard advocating for bigger rate hikes for longer. On the back of that, the bond market right now, you're seeing the 10-year yield up to 3.9 percent. And let's also hit oil with rate hike worries overshadowing demand outlook. And WTI is off by two and a third percent. Brent's off by two and a third. And you've got Nat Gas now down by one and a half. Let's get a check of some of the morning's top stories. And Christina Partsinevelis is here with those. Hi, Christina. Hi, Contessa. Microsoft is defending its new Bing search engine powered by AI technology from ChatGPT. Early testers of the revamped search engine have been flagging mistakes and disturbing responses generated by the technology. In a blog post, Microsoft says the search engine, quote, is a work in progress and calls the past week of its integration with ChatGPT, quote, a learning experience that is helping test and improve the new Bing. 
The FCC is reportedly investigating broadband Internet providers and whether they have misled customers about their levels of coverage. According to Bloomberg, the agency is specifically looking at exaggerated claims by the wireless providers over high-speed Internet service. The report says the FCC declined to name the multiple service providers under scrutiny, unfortunately. And the judge overseeing the fraud trial of Sam Bankman-Fried threatening to potentially revoke the disgraced FTX founder's bail package. Bankman-Fried appearing in court yesterday over claims that he had used encrypted chat apps to communicate with former FTX colleagues while awaiting trial. Under his current bail package, Bankman-Fried is required to refrain from contact with potential witnesses, and prosecutors were seeking to restrict his access to technology. The judge has tabled a decision on the matter, allowing lawyers more time to work out the matter. Hmm. Contessa? Brian, when he sits here, sometimes says random but useful information, or in my case, random and potentially useless. I was literally walking by yesterday as Sam Bankman-Fried got out of his SUV to go into federal court. There's like 30 photographers out there, and there's a crush of people. What do I do? Take a picture. Yeah, I mean, because, and you And you're know, holding your kid, right? I saw that yeah. on, on social no, media. No, no, my kid is right in there trying to photobomb oh. all that. He's trying to get in the way of the pictures of Sam Bankman-Fried. It did not go over well with the photographers who are professionals, right? Um, well, you, you did your part as a journalist, yeah. right? <laughs> I can't help it. Old habits die yeah. hard. Christina, thanks. Thank you. Shares of DraftKings are popping in the pre-market right now. Fresh off the Super Bowl, the sports betting company reported fourth quarter earnings that beat expectations. In the extended trade, we're seeing shares up six and a third percent. We did see a loss per share of 53 cents, but that was against the street's anticipated loss of 59 cents per share and revenues coming in slightly higher than expected. In a shareholder letter, CEO Jason Robbins made it clear he thinks he can focus on cost-cutting and growing revenue. Now, I sat down with Jason last week, just ahead of the Super Bowl, and here's what he said about cutting costs in response to market pressure. There were quite a few, I think, uh, undisciplined promotions and other things out there. That's really gone away this year. Uh, I think a lot of that is, you know, great analysis by companies looking at profitability and returns, but a lot of it's the market saying, look, we're not going to tolerate this kind of thing anymore. We are going to hold people accountable for doing things that, um, you know, are unprofitable and overall for the business having a clear path to profitability. And we've heard that mandate loud and clear, and it's been a major focus of DraftKings over the past 12 months. David Katz is Jeffrey's managing director of gaming, lodging and leisure and will be on the earnings call at 830 a.m. His first stop with us. First of all, this is a new message from DraftKings to talk about cutting costs at all. What they've said is when we open markets, we have to spend. In order to be competitive, we have to spend. How do you gauge what we've already seen in the shareholder letter, what we've heard him saying publicly, with what the anticipation is for hitting profitability by the last quarter of this year? Yeah, I think we went through a couple of years, Contessa, and that's, that is the critical question. We went through a couple of years of opening new markets at a rapid rate. I think now we're starting to see markets evolve a little bit. And I don't want to say mature, but they're starting to stabilize just a bit. And you're right. I mean, they reported a narrower than expected, much narrower expected loss, and actually included in their guidance a much narrower than expected loss. And we do expect the shares to pop on it. The evidence is when you look at a couple of really strong markets that have been around a while, Michigan, Pennsylvania, you see that the promotional spending has gone down. And everyone's fear, the street's fear, was that the market share would go down with it. And it hasn't. They're still in the teens to mid-20s market share, even with the promos coming down. See, as they get more states open, they start to build scale.
from a marketing perspective. And I think that's how they do it. But I talked to the company last night as well after the earnings came out, and they're doing lots of things internally to build efficiencies across the whole corporate platform. Can they uh, cut back on spending and still work on increasing market share? Because right now their biggest competitor is FanDuel, and it captures, I think the last uh, numbers that I reported were 42% of the national sports betting market. Yeah, Flutter, look, FanDuel, which is owned by Flutter and covered out of the U.K. by our colleagues, is absolutely crushing it. Uh, and they, you know, for a number of reasons, have been the market share leader. I think what the street is telling DraftKings and telling these operators is, Market share is important, but we want you to show us a clear path to profit. It's not just about the market share. In fact, when we do a survey, which we did right before the Super Bowl, second year in a row, DraftKings actually has uh, the most usable interface among all of our respondents ahead of FanDuel by 10 percentage points. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot more to look at than just the market share people were looking at on the street two years ago. The CEO is really touting bringing the tech in-house, having it all under his control. He thinks that's going to be a big competitive advantage. iGaming, which is casino games that people play online, is a very lucrative business, but it's only available in five states right now. We saw that DraftKings went out and acquired Golden Nugget online for this business. How instrumental will that be as we look forward to 2023 and beyond? Yeah, there, there, there's two things about it, as you point out, that it's only in five states. We did see uh, New York introduce a bill this week to legalize. And, and so we expect that that momentum over time will build. And you're correct also that it is much more profitable, right? The product cost in iGaming is much less than the constant flow of sports betting. And they're going to transfer over to that uh, DraftKings platform this year, mm -hmm. and you'll start to see a lot more of that in the numbers. More broadly, we saw the American Gaming Association re release revenue numbers for 2022, and the casino industry, the gambling industry, crushed it. More than $60 billion in gross gambling revenue, and the numbers for sports betting and iGaming way up. What do you think, uh, uh, and how do you factor in an economy where inflation is a factor, where wages are a factor, with what the expectations are and what this trajectory has been. Yeah, look, I think this digital gaming, right, under the heading of sports betting and, and iGaming, is still in its very early stages. And so I think the notion of cyclical economic impact on that is really a, a, a non-issue at this point. Right? The more available it becomes, the better the product it becomes, the more sophisticated the operators become, it will continue to grow and grow profits as well. It was remarkable. We saw MGM uh, reporting record Las Vegas strip earnings and regional earnings. We saw Wynn reporting its best North American numbers ever for the last quarter. And the real question is, does that continue? David, thank you for getting up early and joining me this morning. Nice thank to you. see you. We're watching shares of Apple. That company so far has avoided the kind of layoffs that we've seen at Amazon and Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, and more. But Apple is cutting jobs, or more specifically, cutting ties with hundreds of contractors over the past few days, according to the New York Post. They describe it as a stealthy move to cut costs. No comment from Apple just yet, but its third-party contract, contractor workforce reportedly numbers in the thousands, and they're tasked with working on everything from maps to launch events. Joining me now, Clio Capital Managing Director Sarah Kunst. Sarah, great to talk to you this morning. Is Apple under pressure to cut costs, as we've seen with some of the other big tech giants? 
Yeah, it turns out that Apple is exactly like the other girls. You know, I think that that they're in a position where, you know, they're looking at the costs and they're looking at the sales numbers and they realize they have to do something different. And, you know, Tim Cook was smart during the pandemic. He didn't overhire like a lot of his peers uh, and a lot of the hiring that did happen are, are the contractor roles that are unfortunately being, you know, reduced now. But the reality is that that we haven't seen blockbuster sales numbers out of Apple in a while. You know, they're Cutting their guidance on things like, you know, their their sales, they're cutting, pushing back the dates of things like their VR headset. So, yeah, they've got to make some changes. Does it resonate less if you say to contractors, OK, you're the ones that we're letting go? Does that that keep the um, the culture among your employees intact? Big tech has long had a problem with overhiring contractors to reduce some of the huge benefits that they give. And and so, you know, I think that if if you're used to working with somebody every day and you have for months or years, you're going to notice they're gone, whether or not they were a W-2 employee. And so, you know, I I think that it certainly blunts the impact a little bit, but you, you don't have to be sort of clairvoyant to read the writing on the wall, which is that if those cuts aren't enough, that the next round will probably be full time. Uh, We heard from Investopedia's editor-in-chief earlier today that Apple remains one of the most searched for stocks by the retail investors who are coming onto his site. Do you think Apple is still a good buy? It's had a pretty good run. I mean, where do you stand on the stock right now? You know, for a tech stock, it is trading at kind of reasonable P.E. valuations for the rest of the street. It is still really high. Um, You know, that being said, when you look at it compared to the 2019 highs, which I think a lot of us are doing now and just kind of trying to avert our eyes from the 2021 numbers uh, because they were so high, uh, you know, it's still trading at an 80 percent premium there. So. You know, is Apple going away? Absolutely not. Are you going to lose your shirt in it? Unlikely. But is it a massive growth opportunity right now? I just don't think so. And real quick, how much is the China concern weighing on your outlook for Apple right now? You know, they are taking the right steps, I think. They're trying to build parallel supply chains, uh, you know, outside of China, but but still in the Asian region. Um, you know, they're doing what they can. But, I mean, they are one of the most impacted by a lot of the different issues coming out of China, and that does not go away anytime soon. Sarah Kuntz, thank you very much. Apple shares off by a percent in the extended trade. Coming up, the read on Deer. As we await the release of earnings, investors dig deeper into the industrial sector amid a red-hot run. First, as we head to break, some of your top trending stories. They're not loving it. TikTok users blasting McDonald's' new AI-powered drive-thru in a series of videos. They say, they messed up my order. They billed customers incorrectly. One user said she received eight orders of sweet tea instead of one Diet Coke. Which would you rather? And another fighting with the AI system after incorrectly getting 28 orders of McNuggets. Some lucky shoppers in Kentucky found a real bargain on eggs amid sky-high prices. A viral Facebook post showed one Walmart in Lexington selling 18-count cartons of eggs for two bucks. Facebook users commented that the theories for the low prices, though an employee did assure them that the eggs are in fresh condition and they're not even close to their expiration date. Fresh off a Super Bowl win, Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey will be hosting Saturday Night Live March 4th. It makes him the first athlete to host the show since J.J. Watt back in February 2020. Worldwide Exchange is back in just a minute. Welcome back. Industrials hovering at new highs with the sector up 
nearly 5% this year, ranking seventh out of the 11 S&P sectors. Parker Hannafin and United Rentals hit all-time highs. Ingersoll Rand, Rockwell Automation, and Westinghouse Airbrake also setting new records as well. This ahead of deer earnings today. It's a bellwether for the sector and the overall health of the economy. Joining me to discuss, Michael Schlinsky, D.A. Davidson Managing Director and Senior Research Analyst. It's good to see you, Michael. See you as well, Tessa. Thank you. Uh, okay, so first of all, tell me what you're expecting out of the deer earnings report and, and how that affects how you see the rest of the year for these industrial sectors. Sure. Uh, well, the deer report, it looks like it's going to be pretty, um, pretty solid. They have very easy counts from the prior year. Not just a year ago, we had some more serious supply chain issues. Deer was also dealing with um, a really rough work stoppage in its core business last year for the first part of the, of the fiscal first quarter. This year, we're seeing they've had pretty good build rates in the fourth quarter, and now that's carrying over here into the, into the fiscal first quarter. They expect to, at least on a daily basis, keep decent build rates running. The farm outlook also looks very strong for 2023. What that means for the overall rest of the sector, you know, as a construction and ag player, they seem to have pretty good backlog that should carry them well into the, into the rest of the year, if not the first part of 2024. That's just as of last quarter. We're just getting started on the orders for next year at this time. Let me ask how this works. We got uh, some reports from the USDA farm income uh, forecasting that the, we're going to see farm cash incomes declining 21%. You've got the crop inventory suggesting that corn inventories will be $1 billion lower than just six years ago. How does all of that influence how farmers buy deer equipment? Sure. Well, if you see corn inventories down a billion bushels over the, over the previous um, five years, that means that corn's in pretty short supply, so crop prices should actually be fairly high. Um, and so that would be a positive for farmer income. The USDA's outlook for lower farmer income actually uh, suggests that um, there are some nuances. For example, most of the downsides would be seen in the hog and dairy sector. Hog being down something like 21%, dairy being down 30-something percent. Um, those types of farmers use much smaller and more commoditized tractors that don't cost as much money or mean much for, um, for, uh, for deer's net income. The crop inputs are relatively stable year over year, which means that the core corn and soybean farmers should still be in pretty good shape to be buying tractors this year, both on that short supply of crops as well as on the relatively stable uh, costs. You're maintaining a buy rating and a 520 price target for deer. Are there other companies that you like better in this broader sector? Actually, right now, I would say deer is one of the better uh, options, mostly because ag, everyone still has to, uh, has to eat, and farmers buy their tractors based on decisions other than the broader macro uh, concern. So even if it's higher interest rates, if they've got cash income and money to spend, they're going to go out there and buy tractors both to get tax deductions and to make sure that, that their machines can best capitalize on the good income out, uh, out, outlook. So we're actually thinking that deer is one of the best ones out there at the, uh, the moment. And, you know, Michael, it, it strikes me that when we're talking about labor force pressures, Deer has a pretty significant union workforce here. What are you expecting to come down the pike for the company this year when there is so much demand for quality workers? Well, luckily, Deer has a somewhat brand new contract that they signed at the end of 2021. So that means they've got uh, the terms that I would imagine workers felt comfortable with. So with everything being very fresh on the books, both Deere and Ashley, its big competitor, CNH, both have relatively new union contracts. 
feels to me as though they're going to be um, having a decent time uh, retaining people. That, that shouldn't be um, a big issue. Michael Schliske, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me. Uh, quick check here on the futures, and we're seeing it somewhat suppressed. It looks like we're heading for a lower open across the board with the S&P 500 off 28 points, the Dow Jones off by 152, and the NASDAQ down by 114, or nearly 1% here. Uh, so we'll keep our eye on that throughout the morning. And as we head to break, during February, we're celebrating Black Heritage with some of our CNBC teammates, contributors, and business leaders. Here is Plexo Capital founding managing partner and CNBC contributor, Lo Tony. When I think about Black History Month, the name that really comes to mind for me is Reginald Lewis. He was so inspirational in my career and getting me excited to go out and conquer the world of finance. And the work that we're doing here at Flexo Capital, I hope will also empower others or at least inspire others to go create generational wealth. Eleven minutes to the top of the hour. Time now for your WEX wrap up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on this six o'clock hour here on the East Coast. Fresh, hawkish comments from Fed Presidents Loretta Mester and James Bullard. Both say they would have backed raising rates by a half a point, not the quarter point we got out of the recent Fed meeting, given the strength of inflation and the economic data. Shares of Chinese investment group Renaissance Holdings sinking in Asia trade. The company tells regulators... Its chairman and CEO, Bao Fun, has gone missing. The SEC charging crypto developer Do Kohn and his company Terraform Labs with defrauding investors. Juan founded blockchain platform Terraform and was the primary creator of the two now defunct crypto coins that hammered the broader crypto market last year. Shares of DoorDash popping after reporting stronger than expected earnings for the fourth quarter. The food delivery company wrapped up 2022 with a record 32 million monthly users. Those shares are up five and a half percent in the extended trade. But shares of Moderna are falling after the company announced a study that its flu vaccine delivered mixed results. The company says it already updated the vaccine and it's working quickly to test it in an upcoming clinical trial. Those shares off six and a third. And roughly 300,000 airline passengers in Germany find themselves stuck. It's the result of a 24-hour strike at seven airports in that country by union workers. More than 2,000 outbound flights have been canceled in Germany today alone. So I guess if you're heading for international travel, you might want to check ahead. Gearing up for the trading day, we're awaiting import prices data at 8.30 a.m. and leading index figures at 10 a.m., on the earnings front, we have Deer Auto Nation, AMC Networks, and rounding out the week with more Fed speak from Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin and Fed Governor Michelle Bowman. Let's take a look at how the markets may wrap up the week, as well as some names to find opportunity in with Tiffany McGee, CEO and CIO at Pivotal Advisors and a CNBC contributor. Tiffany, nice to see you this morning. We're already seeing futures in the red. The Dow looks like it will open up down a percent this morning. Are you surprised to see this reaction continuing off of that strong PPI data? I'm not. People said, you know, all all eyes are going to be are going to continue to be on the Fed. Um, and any data that may come out that might give any indication of what the Fed may do is going to um, is going to get a knee jerk reaction from the markets. And that's what we saw yesterday. Um, and I think that that's what we're going to see today. 
Um, and so, you know, this, this, this PPI data came in hotter than expected. Um, but I think it's important to, to, to kind of put into perspective that headline CPI has consistently declined for the past six months. So, yes, uh, the, the last reading was a little bit more than expected. Um, but here's the thing. We're at over 6% inflation now. We have a way to go to get to that 2% uh, Fed target. And so we're going to, and, and we have, we're still at the beginning of the year and we have lots more Fed meetings and we have more inflation readings. And so I expect to see that reaction from the markets continue. We heard Loretta Mester say yesterday and it, and, and it echoed the Fed chairman's remarks that the, the path to getting from where we are to where we want to be on inflation is not going to be a smooth one. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Do you think that the market's are prepared for that? Or is there this sort of uh, optimism that means, hey, we've seen some declining reports. We're done. Pivot. So I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with her. Listen, listen this is not going to be a straight line. It isn't because, you know, things never work out perfectly. And, and again, we have the rest of the year, you know, consensus is saying that uh, we, we may get to about 4% or just under 4% inflation by the end of the year. And we won't get to two until at least the first or second quarter of 2024. And so I expect that. And I think, you know, listen, the market is considering that. Um, but when you look at how we started the year, I mean, goodness, what an amazing difference from last year. I think investors all over kind of breathing a sigh of relief. But I think that it's really important to take these 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 moments, right? And so, again, these um, this this economic data that's released, this inflation data that that's released. When we look at the CPI that came in hotter than expected, opportunity, right? Yesterday, PPI, opportunity. And so, I think that investors need to position themselves. We know that this is coming. These readings are on the calendar already. Yeah. Uh, Fed meetings are on the calendar already. So, it, it, it's read the tea leaves, right? And and position yourself to get ready to take advantage of these opportunities. We're showing futures right now. Again, Dow Jones Industrials, it looks like we're going to open down by about 150 points. So where do you see the opportunity today? What kind of um, an opportunity does that present in terms of buying today? Yes. Yeah, so first, I think that, um, listen, we are tech investors. We, we, we invest everything, right? So our, our clients are foundations and endowments. So we are managing the entire portfolio. But we really believe in tech and innovation. So I still think it's a good opportunity to buy tech, uh, especially those names with high ESG ratings. So Microsoft is one of them. It's AAA rated by MSCI uh, in, in terms of um, in terms of their their ESG scores. And with the adoption of the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA last year, I think that we're moving to towards more regulation around ESG reporting uh, with with uh, companies. And so Microsoft is one of them. Um, I also kind of like these more pure e ESG plays. Uh, there's a company called Enphase Energy that I really like, um, and it's, it's in the solar business. So the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, created $370 billion of incentives for clean energy. And a company like Enphase is really positioned nicely to take advantage of all those things. Uh, okay, so you like that. We are there other places that you think right now, hey, if there's a little bit of a dip, this might be worth tiptoeing in the water, something that you're not so strong about, but it provides an opportunity? Yeah, well, listen, we like to invest along themes, so tech is definitely one of them. We also like international stocks, uh, particularly a stock, uh, um, a, a company called Mercado Libre. We love, we love mm -hmm. retail. Uh, we also really love um, uh, um, e-commerce. So uh, Meli, M-E-L-I, Mercado Libre is a Latin America e-commerce play, and so we look for, we're looking for opportunities to buy those in the dip as well.
All right, Tiffany McGee, it's great to see you on this Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Contessa. Good to see you. Again, we're seeing futures down across the board in the red, shaping up for a lower open on Wall Street on this Friday. That does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. I'm Contessa Brewer. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.